Colossians chapter one, verse number 18. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that all things he might have the preeminence. Who? Christ. But notice there, there is that word, that phrase, the church. Let's pray to Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again for this evening. Lord, what a privilege, Lord, what a blessing. It's been in the house of God already. Lord, we're so grateful tonight for the many blessings of God you've bestowed upon us. And Lord, I'm thankful of this tonight, Lord, as we talked about those hindrances this morning that keep us from giving thanks. Lord, I sure am glad there's some helps that encourage us to give thanks. And Lord, if we were to sit back tonight and just think about the many blessings, God, that you've given us, the many blessings that you've bestowed upon us. But Lord, the greatest blessing we have is not an object or a, a thing, but it is you, Lord. Without you, we have nothing, but in you, we have everything we need. We ask you, Lord, tonight that you just open up our hearts, open up our ears, help us to listen on purpose tonight, and help us, Lord, to understand the, the necessity, God, and the importance that a Christian has in their relationship with their church. And Lord, we ask you tonight that you'd just go before us, Lord, and just make sense, God, of what's going to be said tonight. Lord, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Now, I think a good place to start tonight is understanding when I say the church, what exactly am I referring to tonight? Now, I'm not talking about the, the, the building materials that are around us tonight. I'm not talking about the building tonight. And we'll see in the scriptures tonight, and we could go to the book of Acts, and we'll go there in a few minutes, and we'll see that there was a church that was beginning to be formed and beginning to grow in the book of Acts, and they didn't even have a building, right? They didn't, they didn't have what you and I have, a, a sanctuary as we call it tonight. But, well, preacher, what is, what is a church? Well, the biblical definition of a church, and in the Greek word for church is a word called ekklesia. And it means a called out assembly of believers. And you can also add to that a called out assembly of baptized believers. Those who've been saved by the grace of God, who have a public profession of faith, who have followed the ordinance of baptism, and they are now a member of the local church or they're a member of the church tonight. And so when I say church tonight, I'm not talking about just the building tonight, but I'm talking about you and I who make up the church. Amen. When I pray and when I prepare messages, I'm not thinking, oh, that third pew on the right, he's going to need this one, right? I'm not back there thinking, you know what, that, 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 that sound system, now sound systems sometimes need preaching to, amen? They get out of line, get full of demons, you got you to gotta exercise them and get them out, amen? But notice here tonight, when we're talking, we're not talking about the inanimate objects that are here tonight, we're not talking about the grounds and the facilities, and though there is a, a certain care that ought to be given to those tonight, tonight I'm talking about our relationship with the church, that which Christ died for, that which you and I as believers are a part of, of tonight, and you got to think about it this way: as a pastor, people ask me, "What do you do? Uh, what kind of what kind of work do you do?" And nowadays, I say I pastor a church, and they may think I do work around the church, and I do. Sometimes we clean, sometimes different things like that, and got to be done. But the reality is, if all I had was a building, I wouldn't be a pastor. Right? I would be a, a groundskeeper. I would be just doing work around here. What does a pastor need? A pastor needs people. Right, I, I pastor the people of South Haven Baptist Church. And when we congregate together, we have church, amen. Now, you, I've said it this way, you can go down the road and have church, right? You can, you can worship the Lord, you can praise the Lord going down there, all that wonderful stuff tonight. But when I say we, when we have church, I'm talking about when we congregate together with the sole purpose to worship the Lord, to open up the word of God and to learn from it tonight and, and to, to grow as Christians. So tonight we're gonna look at this thought of our relationship with the church when we meet together to worship. 
I'm going to give you some truths tonight that will help that relationship grow and that relationship strengthen tonight. Notice, number one, there must be consistent attendance. There must be consistent attendance. Take your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter number 10 tonight. Hebrews chapter number 10. I beat you, Jordan. I'm already there. Hebrews chapter number 10, verse number 25. Some people could even quote this verse. You've heard it preached a lot. But Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 25 says this. For not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Hebrews chapter 10 verse number 25 is a wonderful verse that instructs us to see and to realize the consistent need in our life to attend church. To attend a church where the Lord is worshiped, the truth is preached, real prayer takes place, spirit-filled uh, praise and worship happens amongst in and in the sanctuary tonight. And Paul, or not Paul, I mean, you could argue who wrote Hebrews. I, I firmly believe or, or personally believe it was Paul tonight. But notice here tonight, he, he, they, they lay it out this way, that we're not to forsake the assembling of, our, of ourselves together. In essence, that word forsake tonight means to abandon or to desert. In essence, I no longer need that. Or I don't need as much of it as I did when I was a new Christian, when I was newly saved. Oh yeah, I needed it all the time when I was newly saved. And something happens and, and when we think spiritual growth is when you need less of what God has provided for you. But as I've grown as a Christian, I've come to the realization that I don't need less of God or I don't need less of church. I need as much of it as I can get tonight because I am just like you. I have a, I have a flesh. I have struggles. I have problems. And thank God that God has given us a place where we can come get help for those things and get in the word of God. But notice here he says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. That's what we've done, right? Now, we didn't have an assembly call. We didn't, we didn't all stand up and, 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 and take role tonight, but we've assembled together, right? We've left our homes. We left where we were this afternoon, and we said, I've got to get to church. I've got to get to the place that God has provided for me because I know, one, my church is gonna be there, but also the Lord is gonna be there, and I need help from the Lord. But notice here tonight, he says, not forsaking the similar as the manner of some is. Right? So we, we can take from that tonight that there are some that firmly believe that they need less church. They need less corporate worship. They need less corporate congregational singing. They need less uh, corporate praise. That, 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 hey, listen, we don't need all of that church tonight. And I'm going to show you tonight from the word of God that, that oftentimes we think, man, we, y'all's church is crazy. Y'all go to church three times a week and then pastor calls a revival and he plans a revival meeting and y'all go Monday through Wednesday night? Well, hold on. This, I'm planning to go Monday through Friday this year, amen, uh, when we have our spring revival. I'm looking forward to that. been praying about that. But, but listen, we think, man, whew, we are super Christians. Can I say even three times a week, I think we fail in comparison to the first century church. And I will, we'll see that tonight. But here's, here, here's, here's the thing, and, and we understand the Bible talks about a great falling away, and so we're not surprised by that, that, that mentality that, listen, well, listen we, we don't have to go three times a week. We don't have to go as much as need a week. We can just cut it down to one time a week. It's a lot more convenient. It's a lot more easy. And I understand some churches are that way, and that's, that's between them and the Lord. They'll give an account for that tonight. But, but here's, here's my, my, my thinking as a pastor I don't know how, what time you got into church this evening, but it seems like every service, when we go to start, somebody's conversation gets interrupted. 
right? Somebody's talking one to another, gets stopped because the piano starts playing, the guitars start playing, and Brother Jacob says, take your hymnals and turn to, right? You think, I was in the middle of a conversation. How dare he ruin my conversation like that? What is it? That's fellowship, right? And I think a church that is healthy is, is a church that has a great amount of fellowship. And here's the thing tonight. When you start cutting out those assemblings together, you start cutting out that fellowship. You start cutting out that, that needed fellowship between believers. But then he goes on to say in verse number 25, as a matter of some is, but exhorting one another. Exhorting one another. Think about this. How many realize that there was somebody that wasn't here this morning or here tonight that's normally here? Right? We all notice somebody. You going to encourage them this week to come back? Are you going to make the phone call and say, hey, listen, I just want to let you know I love you and I missed you and I want to make sure everything's all right. Some may be sick. Some may be out of town. Some may be traveling, those kind of things tonight. But some may just need some encouragement to get back in the house of God. Can I say tonight, you will say, preacher, that's your job. That's your responsibility to call everybody and, and to check in on everybody. And listen, I'll try my best to do that tonight. But can I say when it's, it's the preacher and somebody else checking on you, it seems to encourage a lot more people. So he says, exhorting one another, my desire, see, as a pastor, my desire is to see every member at every service. That's my heart. That's my desire. One of the most discouraging things that you'll ever go through in pastoring and, and preaching to people is when God gives you the message and you know who could help and you know what so-and-so's going through and you know what they're struggling with, you know what they're, they're, they're fighting with and God gives you a Bible verse and God gives you a sermon that isn't a, a, I'm preaching at you, but it's, hey, let me help you out with this and you're so excited, you can't wait to see him get help. And then they're not there. Boy, I mean, that is sometimes one of the most discouraging things you'll go through. But then he goes on to say, why, why should we encourage one another? Why should we not pull back? Why should we, we get in as much as we can? Why should we be as consistent in our attendance as we can and as humanly possible? Because there's a day approaching. There's a day approaching. Look at verse number 25. As you see the day approaching. And he said, so much the more as you see the day, what, the day of the, day of the Lord. Right? I've made this statement before and I've said it before in my Christian life that it would be awesome, right, if the rapture takes place in the middle of my third point. I'd love to go out of this world preaching the gospel. I would love just to, or one day, if I go by the grave, be right in the middle of my third point and say the Lord said and just drop dead. <laughs> Somebody else is gonna have to figure it, finish out my sermon, amen? <laughs> I think if that happened, I think church would be over, Amen. Somebody call the ambulance. Somebody call the morgue. But notice here tonight, if that's the case, I remember, I remember saying that, man, I, I'd love for that to happen. And then I got to realize, well, that means I got to do a whole lot more preaching than I'm already doing. Right, to increase the odds there tonight. But when it comes to worshiping together, as we see that day approaching, and we know, we, we can see the signs of the times, we, we, we can look at our society and know that where, that where everything's headed to, and as we see that day approaching, it ought to put something inside of us that says, you know what, because that day is getting closer and closer, I ain't cutting out, I ain't giving no excuses, I'm gonna be in the house of God. I'm gonna be at church when the church doors are open. But if you turn your Bibles tonight to Acts chapter number two tonight, We'll see a biblical example of the church congregating together. 
right? It's Acts, the book of Acts is a transitional book. We're going from the Old Testament way of worship into the, 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 the church age, so to speak, where things change. And how many are glad tonight that we don't live underneath the law? We don't have to do those things tonight to please the Lord. Now, there's nothing wrong with the law. The law is perfect. God gave it, amen? And so, but tonight, we don't have to follow those, those regulations. We got in by grace tonight. We're saved by grace. And, but we'll see here tonight in the book of Acts is that transition. I was talking about it in Sunday school. And so many times that we think uh, nowadays that we got everything figured out. I bet it was interesting to be a Christian during the times of Acts. And here's the thing. We always think like every, everybody's at church and everybody gets along. Everybody's on the same page. The book of Acts tells us otherwise. Right? There were some, some differences that had to be worked out. There were some issues that had to be dealt with. You have, and we talked about it in Sunday school this morning, you had, you had these Jews that were getting saved by the grace of God, but they're bringing in all that Old Testament, all that law with them that they've done their whole life, and now they're trying to figure out, well, how does what I know apply with what, to what's happened to me? And then you have Gentiles over here who don't have the law, who have lived barbaric lives, have lived however they wanted to serve uh, fake gods and false gods. Now they're getting saved, and now you've got Judaizers, and now you've got or Jews and Gentiles, and they're trying to figure out how this church thing works. And God shows them uh, in the book of Acts and shows us in the book of Acts tonight that there is a necessary meeting or a necessary congregation of believers that helps sort these things out. Look at Acts chapter number two tonight, verse number 41. Right, it says, and then they that gladly received his word were baptized. In the same day, there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Boy, what if the Lord did that next Sunday? <laughs> what little gray hair I have would go bald completely, amen? That would be a, that would be, we say like, that'd be a good problem to have. <laughs> I'd lose my mind, amen? <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't know what to do. We'd, we'd all be fasting and praying about what to do. 3,000 people just got saved by the grace of God. But then verse number 42, and they continued steadfastly. Right? They got saved by the grace of God and then they never went back to church. They got saved and then they just lived their life. What's the Bible say? They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, and in the breaking bread and in prayers and fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles and all that believed were together and had the things in common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them unto all men as every man, every man had need. Look at verse 46, and they continually daily in one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Well, see, we think, man, three times a week, Whew, that's a lot, preacher. Boy, and sometimes, listen, I, I, live in, I live in the same world. Sometimes it is a struggle to get to church. Sometimes it is a, it's a fight to get, you know, uh, to church. And there's that song, that, that old, oh, not, I don't know if it's a country song, but I know it's a worldly song that it's easy like a Sunday when then people never went to church. Amen? <laughs> they never went to church. Some, especially when you got youngins in tow, amen? And sometimes it can just, get, it can get hectic real fast, amen? But notice here tonight, Look, look what it says in verse number 46, and they continually daily. They met one with another, but it wasn't just a, hey, we're going to hang out and have a good time. What does the Bible say when they met? One, they had consistent study. They followed the apostles' doctrine in verse number 42. They continued steadfastly in the apostles. That which had been preached, what had been preached in the gospel? 
Could you imagine this? They, they don't have the written word of God in its completeness like me and you have tonight. God was still using men to write the New Testament, write the epistles. And they had what has been preached to them by Peter on the day of Pentecost, what has been preached by Jesus' disciples. And they had the Old Testament, but they would get together and they would say, listen, we don't know everything about grace. We don't know everything about this gospel, this good news that's been preached about us. But how about we just sit down and talk about it? and try to make some sense of it, try to see how good and how deep it really is. There was consistent study. Can I say tonight, listen, I love church, amen. I love going to church. I love shouting. I love singing. I love all of that. But if there's one thing we're gonna do here, if there's one thing that's really gonna help you on top of the singing and on top of the songs and on top of the praise and on top of the shouting, it's gonna be when we open up the word of God and we study the doctrine of God's word tonight. There's got to be consistent study. There's got to be consistent fellowship, amen? There's got to be consistent fellowship. Look at verse number 42. They continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, right? Now, listen, you may not go, and, and I, I, I probably wouldn't advise you to go out and just visit every church underneath the sun, but sometimes you walk into a service, and sometimes you walk into a church, and it is tight. Not like cool tight, but like tight, you can feel the tension, amen. There's something going on there. There's, there's an issue or there's problems there. And, and then you come in and they're like, we're so excited, ready for you to preach. I'm thinking, I don't know if I want to preach in this environment and preach in this, this, this kind of place. And, but all that kind of stuff tonight, but there's got to be consistent fellowship because there's not consistent fellowship, there's consistent discord. Right, so when you, you, when you and I come together, yes, we studied God's word. That was the forefront. That was the first thing they mentioned. And they said they fellowshiped. But also there was also constant communion or consistent communion. The breaking of bread. The breaking of bread tonight in verse number 42. And the breaking of bread. Then it goes down to verse number 46. It mentions again the breaking of bread. Uh, from house to house. There was that communion there, a shared meal. And tonight as, as a, and, I, and listen, we're Baptists from the head, from the tops of our heads to the bottom of our feet, amen? We are going to fellowship, and, and nine times out of ten when we use the word fellowship, you might as well put food behind it, right? But fellowship is more than just eating food together. It is conversing one with another. It is sharing my life with your life. We are fellowshipping uh, together what the Lord has done for us. But at the same time, there is a constant communion of a sharing of one's things with Another, and even as a, as a Baptist church tonight, we understand the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. We come together and we break bread with one another. And we, we don't do it because we all want to snack in the middle of church or at the end of church whenever you do it. We do it because it's a reminder of what Christ did for us. And that communion of one breaking of bread and giving it to another is a reminder that Christ gave himself for us. But then also when we meet together, there ought to be consistent prayer. It ought to be consistent prayer. Look what it says in verse number uh, 46. Excuse me, verse number 42. In the breaking of bread and, and in prayers. And in prayers. And so there was consistent study, fellowship, communion, and prayer when they met together. And here's the thing. When you and I begin to skip out on those things, or we begin to skip out on the services, we begin to make those excuses of why we can't be here and, and, and why we're not able to be there. Listen, I'm not preaching at you tonight. I, 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 ain't come to be, I ain't come to hurt you tonight. I came to help you. But notice here tonight, those things have to be consistent in, in your life. I've never met a strong Christian who has an inconsistent church attendance. 
I've never met one. And you think, well, preacher, how do I get, how do I become consistent? Show up, amen. Do whatever you got to get there. And oftentimes, we sometimes like to say we got an ox in the ditch. And let me say this tonight. I'm going to call time out real quick. You don't plan for ox to be in the ditch. <laughs> that's, that's something that gets beyond your control. There was, it was a few years ago, we had the escape and I was pulling down our road on a Sunday morning and going down Story Mill Road and that thing began to show every warning light that was on the dashboard. And then it just shut down. So I pulled off to the side of the road. You had a few seconds, turned it on, I made it a little bit further and threw every code and stopped. And I thought to myself, well, I guess I ain't going to church today. That thought never crossed my mind. The thought that crossed my mind, I got to figure out how to get to church. Preacher, that's your car, that's your family. What'd you do? I somehow got it to Story Mill Baptist Church and parked it in their parking lot, found their pastor and said, listen, I'm the pastor of South Haven Baptist Church. My car broke down. I've got one on the way. It's all right if I leave it here until we get done with church. And he just stared at me like he had never heard that before on a Sunday morning. <laughs> I said, well, it is what it is tonight. And that's, that's, that's something in my life that I've just purposed in my heart. I'm not going to find an excuse to miss church. But rather, I'm going to find a reason to be in church and why I need to be there. But notice here, in verse number 42 and 46, it, it produced a gladness and a genuineness amongst the believers. Look what it says in verse number 46. It said, and they continually daily with one accord in the temple and breaking uh, bread from house to house that eat their meat with gladness Singleness of heart. Remember somebody who, I mean, I, get, I don't know if they were being critical of our church, but they had visited here and they had uh, come a few times, not very consistent, not very, uh, at least not consistent over a long period of time, but they would begin to miss here and there, and then they made this, I feel like I just don't fit in there. Well, it's kind of hard to fit into somewhere where you don't constantly go or consistently go to tonight. And here's the thing, if you and I, if we all agree on the same thing, we're reading from the same book, we're singing the same songs, we're going through life together and we're consistently coming together to worship the Lord tonight. Listen, we will, God will knit our hearts together and give us a singleness and a unity that, 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 the, that the world can't break and Satan can't break tonight. And so and here's the thing, when people come in and visit, when preachers come in, and, you know, they're kind, they're courteous, but I don't know how many have come and they said, you got something different here. Not in a bad way. They said, what you have, not every church has. They say, it seems like you've got a unified church. Now, do we have disagreements? Of course we do. Do we have issues that we've got to resolve? Yes, of course we do tonight. But when we consistently meet together and we consistently get into God's word and God speaks to our hearts and we obey the word of God, God will give us a singleness of heart tonight. This wasn't just an attendance, but there was action tied to their attendance. In essence, when these believers got together, it wasn't, bless me if you can, Peter, preach to me. They said, I'm going to be as active in my church and as our congregation here in, in, in Acts chapter number two as Peter and, and, and those disciples were tonight. And so you have to ask yourself, when you are being consistent to the church, the house of God, is it just I'm going to sit here and get what I can and go home? Is, but is my attendance also attached to consistent activity or participation in my church tonight? Hey, listen, I, you say, well, preacher, I'd sing them congregationals, but I ain't got a good voice. Preacher, I, I would say, man, but I get embarrassed and, and I don't know what people are going to think about me. You know, one of my favorite people to, to listen to shout was, was Caitlin's grandma, Miss Claudia, because she didn't care. 
Boy, she'd get excited. She'd stand up. She'd get to hooping and hollering before you know it. I was shouting. I don't know what she was excited about, but I was excited for her. I was going to shout with her, amen, and enjoy, just enjoy the goodness of God and, and, and thank God for it. And I understand it's not all about a shout tonight, but listen, if I'm going to go to church, I'm going to go to church. I ain't never once went to the, the restaurant and said, you know what, I'm just going to sit here. Right? If I go to a restaurant and I'm just sitting there, check my temperature, amen? Because if I'm, if I'm going, if I'm going to the, I'm going to eat. <laughs> but Jacob, T.R., we ever gone to the, the, the disc golf course and just looked at the baskets? And said, I, I ain't, I ain't going to do nothing. I'm just going to enjoy it. Uh-uh. I will throw six discs into the woods, but I'm going to go find all of them. I won't find all of them, but I'm going to keep playing, amen? I'm going to I'm going to participate because I'm there. I'm going to enjoy it. I mean, I might as well. I'm already there. When it comes to church tonight, don't just come in and say, you know what? I'm just going to sit here. Uh, that's good singing. That's good preaching. All right, it's time to go. Boy, get involved. Get involved in the service. Pull out your hymnal. Sing to the top of your lungs. I remember, uh, I can't remember the preacher's name now. Uh, David Gibbs told a story about how there was a man in his church that always sang a half key below what everybody else was singing. But he sang loud. He sang with all that he had. And he said this man would get so excited and he would sing as loud as he could, he'd have half the church on the wrong key. And so they would stop the music, they would take it down to his key and they would start singing again and he would get off again. And you say, well, preacher, <laughs> I don't want to mess up the... Listen, if you are doing it out of a sincere heart, you're giving everything you have, you just come to worship the Lord tonight, listen, I'm on, I'm on your side. Whether you sound terrible or not, listen... From one who sounds terrible to another, just enjoy the goodness of God. And sing with all that you have tonight. When the preacher's preaching, don't just say, open up your Bible, get you a pen, take some notes. Not just because it's me preaching, but anytime a man of God gets behind the pulpit. Amen. Here's the thing. If you watch me, I've made it a habit in my life that when a preacher's preaching, my Bible's open. And I've got a pen in my hand because I've learned a long time ago that I do not remember everything I hear. But I've learned if I write it down, I've got a record I can go back to. And so tonight, when, it, when, it, when it's time to come to church, oh yeah, sing with all you got, but open up the Bible, follow along with the preacher, take notes tonight. Don't just attend, but be active when you attend tonight. If we're going to have a good, a Christian's going to have a good relationship with the church tonight. Yes, you're going to consistently attend, but also be consistently active when you attend. They didn't just meet in the house and talk about a few things. They were doing things as they met together. Notice number one tonight, a Christian's relationship with the church, there must be a consistent attendance. But notice number two, we must have a reverent attitude. We must have a reverent attitude tonight. Exodus chapter number three, verse number five tonight. We know the account. Moses has uh, been on the backside of the desert taking care of his father-in-law's sheep. He sees the burning bush. He turns aside because it's not consumed. And as he approaches it, God speaks them out of the bush. What does he tell Moses to do? Take off your shoes, Moses. Put off your shoes for you stand on holy ground. Now, that's a very odd, odd request. <laughs> and don't worry tonight. We're not going to put a thing out there and say, all right, before you come to church, you got to take your shoes off. Because listen, Church socks and church shoes, there ain't no holes in these things. 
When I take these things off, boy, I could take out an entire army probably with the smell that comes off of them. But why would God tell Moses to take his shoes off? He was trying to show him something. He was trying to show us something. He was trying to say, listen, what you're fixing to step into, where you're fixing to be, it ain't like everywhere else. It's a holy place. What's a holy place? The presence of God. And tonight, listen, we don't have a burning bush. We do have God's house. It's also in type a reminder that, listen, you can't get into the presence of God being covered by the world or being covered in worldly things tonight. What do you mean by that, preacher? You've got to realize in Bible days, Moses walked everywhere he went. His feet were, his shoes were probably covered in dust. And God said, I don't need the world's dust in my presence. I don't need the world's filth in my presence. Moses, take that off if you're going to approach. The same thing is true when it comes to the church tonight. Listen, we don't need everything the world has to offer in here. We don't need the world's ways in here tonight. We need to leave them outside the door and do this thing God's way. There's got to be a reverent attitude. Now, when I was growing up, if you wanted to die, and you wanted a death warrant, act up in church. <laughs> that, that's how it was. That, if you wanted to sign your own death wish, just act up in church. There's a few times I think I died because of what I did in church and the Lord just brought me back to life. Now, I didn't grow up in a church like this. I didn't grow up in this kind of atmosphere where you could sense the presence of God. And I grew up in a religious home. I grew up in a religious place where they had the, the, the things of God, so to speak, but they denied the power thereof. But the same rule applied. One of the worst times I ever got in trouble was when I was serving as an altar boy on the altar and I was, you know, got to carry the cross in and I got to make, help the priest wash his hand, all that kind of stuff. Tonight, if you didn't grow up Catholic, you probably have no idea what I'm talking about. But you sat in front of the entire church in a, in a place like this and you, the whole church could see you. And I fell asleep in the middle of the church. Well, my dad snatched me up afterwards and <laughs> said things I can't repeat, but he got his point across. But then I remember I was thinking, that was the third service in a row that I'd been an altar boy. And there's no difference in the services. Same songs, same sermons. I done heard it three times now. I figured I had enough of it. But I remember you don't act up in church. And I think at the same time, when there is that, it's not necessarily a bad thing to teach your children to reverence the house of God, but you need to make sure you teach them why. Right? Don't just scream at them, yell at them for something they don't know. But you got to teach them why. But then you go from that extreme of don't say a word or you'll die to we got to take all the kids out of the service. We got to put them in a program. We got to remove them out of the sanctuary. We got to remove them out of the service because we don't want them to be a hindrance to those who might be hindered by them. Now, one of the things you have to realize tonight that when it comes to raising children, that is a season of life. They're not always going to be children. They're not always going to be newborns. They're not always going to be uh, terrible twos, all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, if all we ever do is remove them out of the service and put them somewhere that's fun, put them somewhere that is uh, where they can just get all their wiggles out and not have to sit down or anything like that or follow those kind of things, I think we're actually doing more damage than we are good. What do you mean by that, preacher? They've got to be trained how to sit in church. Not only do they need to be trained that, yes, the house of God is a reverent place. You ought not to be playing tag in the sanctuary. 
Y'all not to cut cartwheels across the stage unless you're just excited for what the Lord has done in your life, amen? You ought to treat the house of God with respect. Because it is a holy place. Yes, it's, 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 it's plywood and, and, and two by fours and bricks and uh, whatever that stuff's called that you put on the walls right there. Sheetrock, there it is. I kept wanting to say polyester. That's not polyester. But at the same time, this is God's house, right? <laughs> There's certain things that my kids aren't allowed to do at the house because it damages stuff. And they can't do it at the house. They ought not do it here. But at the same time, if we're going to make sure, that, hey, listen, you've got to understand, this is a reverent place. You ought not to act like you, you, ought to act like you got sense. But you also have to train sense into a kid. Right? You can't hold them to a standard that they've never been taught. But that's where this comes in. Well, we'll just throw them over here. We'll throw them over here, put them in children's church, Wednesday in the Word. We'll just, we'll just keep them out of the sanctuary. And then when church quits being fun, they're gone. When they have to come and sit in the service and it, the preacher doesn't sing hand, songs with hand motions. I'm done with this. But at the same time, when we bring them into churches, just be quiet. Don't make no noise. Be seen but not heard. But can I say tonight, when you bring them in, train them. Teach them. Goes back to that first point. Don't just be here, but be active when you're here. You want to know how I learned how to read? Out of a church hymnal? My mom would make sure every time, now listen, growing up in the Catholic church, we sang everything slow. Right? <laughs> you learn how to read here, you're going to be a speed reader. But my mom would make sure to grab the hymnal and point to what song we were singing. And then she would follow along with it. And so that's how I learned how to read. Was, was out of a church hymnal. The same is true here, right? We, we bring them in and we're saying, all right, be quiet. Don't make no noise. And, it will, you know, here's a distraction. Please don't say anything. Don't interrupt nothing. Can I say, if, if we're just bringing them in so they can sit here and not pay attention and not see what's going on, be distracted for the whole service, and then we're missing the point, right? If you want them to know how to act in church, you're going to have to teach them. See, there's that other philosophy, too, that I'm going to bring my kids to church, and the pastor's going to train them. The pastor's going to teach them. The pastor's going to take care of them. Can I say tonight, biblically, it's not my responsibility to train your children. It's your responsibility as a parent to train them. How do I train them? Well, they learn by what they see. When we sing, give them the hymnal. Open it up to the song that we're singing, and you have to follow along with your fingers. And then when they get quiet, say, sing. Keep saying, sing, sing with all you got. When the preacher sits down, open up their Bible, give them a pen and say, take no preacher. They, they, can't, they can't write words. I don't know how to spell yet. One of the things we do with TR is draw what daddy's preaching about. They can pay attention. They can listen. You just got to learn to train those kind of things tonight. And so yes, train them to have a reverence for the house of God, but they're going to learn that from you. But also train them to be uh, active in the house of God. But you have to have that reverent attitude. One, treat the church with reverence, right? Tra train children to follow after you because here's the thing, if we don't train our children, our church is going to die, right? Yes, they are the church of the future, but you train them now to take over those things. But then thank the Lord for your church. 
Oh, if you're going to have a good relationship with the Lord, you're going to have to have a reverent attitude. But it isn't a commandeering, sit in the corner, be scared to death attitude. It is, yes, this is a holy place. And yes, this is where God meets with us. And I want to thank the Lord that I go to a church where God meets with us. So there has to be a reverent attitude. We have to have constant attendance. But notice this, when this relationship with the church, when we meet together, when it's right, it changes our attitude. It changes our attitude. Look at Psalm 122. Psalm 122 tonight. We're just about done, amen? Just about done. Look at Psalm 122, verse number one. It said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Now, you study this out, you'll find out this is a psalm of degrees written by David. Well, preacher, what is a psalm of degrees? These were psalms that were saying as they approached the temple for worship. As they approached the temple on a, on, on the, on the, on a holy day or, or the day of atonement, those kind of things, they, they would approach it while they're singing these songs. And what did David say? I was glad when they said unto me, let us go unto the house, or into the house of the Lord tonight. What you have to realize is that biblically we know that these days of worship and these days at the temple, they didn't just show up plop down on their pew and worship. They had to bring sacrifices. They had to follow certain rules and certain regulations. And David said, with all of that, I was still glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Why? He realized the importance of the house of the Lord in his life. And that ought to be our relationship with our church tonight. Church ought not to be something that we, we strain to go to, right? We, we, uh, we, we, we almost in a sense, if we could go somewhere else, we would, but we don't want the preacher calling us. And so I'm gonna go to church to keep the preacher off my back. Or I'm gonna go to church so people don't think less of me. And if that's our mentality, we won't be glad to go to church, right? It'll be an obligation that we fulfill. We'll, we'll punch in, punch out, go home. That, that's all it is. Our relationship with the church shouldn't be one of mere obligation. It should be one of great joy. It should be one of great joy. Why? Well, I can't tell you all the things the Lord's done for me in the church. I can't tell you all the things the Lord's helped me with in the church, in, 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 in the worshiping together, in the services that I've been in. But notice here tonight, that kind of relationship where we get up on Sunday morning and the devil gets scared of us because we're excited to go to church and we turn on the music and we're, we're shouting in the kitchen, we're praising the Lord and we're crying on our way to church because the Lord's been good to us. That don't just happen. You don't just wake up one day and be like, oh man, I'm so excited. Like any other relationship tonight in your life, it's gotta be worked towards, right? It's gotta be invested in. It's taking that consistent uh, attendance. It's taking that reverential attitude towards the house of God, getting those things right. And then when you step back and realize why the Lord instituted the church and allows you to be a part of it and why he gave you South Haven Baptist Church, you'll step back and say, he said, I agree with David. I was glad when they said unto me, it's time for church. It's time to go to South Haven Baptist Church. It is time to go to the place that God has given me to worship him. So tonight, my desire for our church is that for every single one of us to have that kind of relationship with our church. That when we get up on Sunday mornings, when we get up, go to work on Wednesdays, 
we're just saying, all right, well, I've got 10 more minutes at this place that I'm only here because I got to pay bills. And when I get out of here, yes, I'm going to have to rush. I'm going to have to hurry, but I'm getting to the house of God tonight because I know God has something there for me. Let me ask you tonight and we'll be done. I have a time of prayer. What's your relationship like with the church that God has given you?